This is another episode of The Brotherhood, Two Conversations with Two Ordinary Capuchin Brothers. That brother's name is Brother Brandon Berg. What's going on, bro? Hello. Welcome, welcome to the podcast. That brother's name is Vincent Mary Carrasco. That's right. That's right. We're here. We're among you. Um, It's great to be back and happy to have you all back with us once again, once again. So uh, this is going to be a good one, man. I feel like this is a special episode. Really, really special, you know. So absolutely, yeah. What's so special about it? Well, it's April, so we all know yep. what April showers bring May flowers, you know. And, um, yeah, and it's it's, it's just April, and then it's the feast yeah. of Conrad. So, this is, yeah, yes, very special day for our province because we are the province, Capuchin province of Mid America, under the patronage of Saint Conrad of right. Parzon. That's right, same kind of parts and so. But before we get into that, bro, I want to know what's how's your week been? What have you been doing this week? How's it going? Uh, it's <laughs> uh, what is today? Tuesday. It's been a short week so today? far. It is. But uh, Sunday was good. I have a uh, well. Saturday was really good. We we're doing some uh, monthly events at Annunciation Parish in Denver, and we just had an event called Tamale Open House. What? So we had four different good. kinds of tamales, and then we had from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Yeah, where people could come, and it was one dollar, one ticket, one tamale. One dollar for so, tamale? <laughs> yeah. So we you had sides? Uh, we had uh, we had chips and salsa. Oh, that's that's good. Yeah. That worked. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we had four different kinds of tamales, and we had some of the ladies who make them there to like teach people about the different methods and the different ingredients. And so we had like uh, a tamale class. We yeah, we had uh, ten dozen ta- uh, tamales of four different kinds. So we had forty dozen tamales, and we only had about three or four dozen left. So what? it was a good event. So that was the that highlight of fun. the weekend. And then uh, yeah, this weekend I preached about um, you know how when we used to go to mass, we used to have the uh, the communion chalices. Yeah. Well, I had people ask me. Like, when are we going to get the precious blood back? And I understood that these people think that they're not receiving all of Jesus because they're not receiving the precious precious blood. Like, they're only oh, yeah. receiving his body and not his blood. Yeah, so it's like I, half. I, yeah, I use that as kind of like a teaching moment. And the gospel was all about the resurrected Jesus showing his hands and his feet so you can no longer separate his body from his blood. So, Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, a couple highlights like, there. So I feel like that's the topic right there too. Hey, yeah, that'll be next good. episode. Yeah, yeah, next episode. So yeah, well, but, you want to talk about your time? What's going on? Yeah, man. Well, my week was pretty cool. We had some benefactors over. Um, okay. Here in San Antonio, and they came down for uh, a mission walk. So it was cool. We came. They they were out here for I think a few days and. It was one Saturday we want they wanted to go see the missions so we oh, did yeah. like a three and a, three and a half four mile walk and just visited cool. two of the missions so it was nice man it was nice to just be with them and walk with them and also just to get out and get the legs moving you know before finals week and stuff so mm-hmm. that was cool so 
Shout out to our benefactors. Very good. Got some good weather there in San Antonio? Yeah, right now. Well, when they were here, it was it was nice. Yeah, it was sunny and, mm-hmm. um, you know, it wasn't too 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 sunny when we were at, when we were on the actual trail. Good. Um, so it was like cloudy and stuff. So it was doable. Yeah. You know, but we had we had a good time. Praise God. Yeah, but today is a special day, special yes. special special day in a special way because we got. Um, a very special guest, our provincial Mark Shank, in the house. What's going on, bro? Hey, how you doing? Guten Tag. Guten We're gonna Tag. Keep it, in, keep it in theme here this today. There you go. That's right, man. Guten Tag. Is that a good day? That's good day. Yes. Good day, yes. <laughs> good day in German. All I know is in German is night. <laughs> yes so yeah we'd like to with that <laughs> yeah <laughs> we'd like to welcome to our uh brother hut episode 37 uh brother mark shank provincial minister of saint conrad's capuchin province in mid-america break break yourself down for us a little bit brother mark what do you want to say to the people who are you oh who am i well um yes provincial minister as brandon pointed out um we've been that for a little over two years now uh one more year left in this term um originally come from the, the big town of Olmitz, kansas Ooh, kansas yes nice. and, um so that's a little, little austrian uh, settlement in uh, in the middle of kansas and um yeah i've been a capuchin now for uh, a little over 40 years so wow yeah. Wow. And that's, you, you spent about half of that time in Italy, right? Do you want to say anything about that? Yeah, it was uh, actually 22 years altogether. I spent in, in Rome working at our generalate in various capacities. Um, the first time over there was uh, for seven years working as a secretary. So um, doing translations and um, things like that. Um, the last year of that, I was the, actually the general secretary of the order, which is like the office manager of the, of the headquarters of the Capuchins. Nice. And, uh, then I went back for another three years. Uh, I was their, uh, the IT guy, you know, I mean, there, we didn't have an IT department. We had an, an IT guy, you know, and that was, that was me. So... Uh, put that on the resume bro that's that's (laughs) (laughs) i'm in charge of it for this whole order of ten thousand people take that yeah (laughs) we went in that time uh actually when i started working there in in, uh, 1988 Uh uh, we had uh three computers in the uh in the building and one of them was still in its box and uh when i left there in uh, 90 five i think or when i came back in 97 to be in charge of the it we were i think we had 40 computers in the place so um it it was quite an experience of teaching um, old dogs new tricks with (laughs) how to first of all how to use a computer and then it was more uh, interesting when windows came out and trying to teach them how to use a, a mouse and uh graphical interface and oh, uh, wow. it was pretty interesting enculturation there huh yeah <laughs> no, in the last 12 of... years i was the general counselor so i sat on the 
council ad advising the general minister of the order. And that's when I did most of my traveling. I traveled um, oh, in a lot of different places, mostly English speaking places, but uh, some places that were not English speaking as well. So it was an interesting experience. So it was like the right hand man for the general minister. Well, I didn't exactly sit on his right, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, was... <laughs> it reminds me of, uh, you know, those movies with the, you know, um, where like the, co there's, you know, the there's a guy that's sort of like the janitor, IT guy, you know, and then all of a sudden works his way up, you know, <laughs> like the Miami Heat coach, what's Eric Spolstra, you know, he was like the IT guy, really? like his first years, <laughs> and then all of a sudden moved into coaching and became the head coach and won NBA championships. Like, it's just crazy how he moved up. So. Yeah. Well, one thing you find is the, the, the IT guys, you know, they know where all the bodies are buried. They know everybody's secrets. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. yeah, be nice to them. That's yeah, right. Be nice to the IT guys. <laughs> they, can, you know, they, can leak, they can leak all your emails at any time, huh? <laughs> <right>. <laughs> I'm going to talk about you on Facebook. No. <laughs> That's cool. Eh? Uh, well, it's good to have you, man. Good to have you on board. Um, so I, I think it's fitting for us today to, uh, you know, as we're approaching our province feast day, St. Conrad of Partsum, to just share maybe a little bit of uh, maybe our, each of our experiences of St. Conrad, maybe uh, like if you have any personal experiences of, of St. Conrad or visiting the shrine or anything like that, it's pretty powerful, I think. Yeah, well, uh, I visited there, I think, twice. Uh, it, it may have been three times. That I, I Twice I can remember for sure. Once uh, I went to when our, the provincial minister at that time uh, was um, came to Rome for a meeting. And then uh, after the meeting was over, we traveled up together to, to uh, Munich and um, rented a car and uh, drove up to uh, Altering where um, the Shrine of St. Conrad is, and yeah. uh, had a nice visit up there. Um, yeah, and then the, uh, the other time was uh, the, 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 actually the more important time for me, the, the one that made the biggest impression was in 1994, which was the uh, 100th anniversary of his death, mm -hmm. St. Conrad's death. And so they had a big celebration up there. And... Um, uh, I was invited uh, by uh, a member of the of the province there, the Bavarian province, to uh, attend that ceremony, wow. and uh, they were quite happy to have me there because I was. Uh, the, I think it's still true. At least it was true in that time. There's only one province in the world who, who has Saint Conrad as their patron, and that's, that's our province. So we had they had a representative of the only. St. Conrad province in the world at their centenary celebration. Wow. So as part of that celebration, they carried his relics. They had a huge uh, glass and wood reliquary. I mean, I mean it was uh, hard for me to maybe four foot by four foot by four foot glass and wood. And they had his relics inside of this and you, they carried it on poles, you know, uh, on your shoulders. So we carried this in procession and I was one of the guys who got to carry the relics of St. Conrad uh, in procession uh, 
because I was a representative of the province of St. Conrad. So it was really cool. Wow, bro. Yeah, that sounds really tight. Okay. It's probably like the size of like a like a phone booth or like a porta potty, right? Like uh... <laughs> not quite as tall, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you turn a blue? phone booth sideways where it was laying out long ways, like the thing that he's in is about well, yeah, I don't the the would you count the poles, yeah, but the actual, the actual part. That, anyway, could we not find a better image? Than a, a sideways phone booth. That's St. <laughs> Conrad, the holy porta potty. Like an like an oversized coffin, basically, right? Yes, I don't know. There's no. It's there's a. There must be a better. I can't think of an image though. You know, yeah, I think it wasn't the, quite that big. Yeah, the I may be confused with the thing that he's buried in. I haven't actually seen him go on procession, so it's probably. Oh yeah, I think there. Yeah, there's a sarcophagus there. I yeah. think sort of thing. Um, but they have I mean, another thing for the processions, right? I think so. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I was thinking maybe we could back up a little bit, and maybe uh, maybe you could uh, talk about how we came we being this province oh, gonna, in, the, yeah. in the center of the united states of america how did we come to bear the patronage of this uh german capuchin can you tell us a little bit did some of the details of that story brother mark sure uh so um in the late 1800s in the 1880s um germany was going through uh, it was a particularly difficult time for the church. It was the time of the Kulturkampf. So it was kind of like uh, the Enlightenment in, in Germany. It was a period of the uh, Enlightenment where they were trying to cast off uh, what they considered relics of the past. And um, the church became one of their targets. And so they were trying to diminish the power of the church. And uh, they did this in large part by suppressing religious orders. Okay. Mm. And uh, the Jesuits, of course, are always one of the first to be targeted because they're, they're so powerful and they're so influential, right. usually. And uh, the, the, the Capuchins began to get worried that they were, um, they, they themselves would be suppressed. I mean, when, when they suppressed, they, they just like closed all of their, their friaries, their houses, and they just kicked all the guys out and you, you know, everybody had to go find a place to live and wow. oh. they lost their, their, you know, ability to, you know, their livelihood basically, you know, so everybody was sort of on their own. And so they were really concerned about what would happen to them if, if the government would suppress the Capuchin order there. So they decided to hedge their bets uh, they should send some some of their members to uh, America to open up some friaries there, so that they, at least they had a place to go if they would were to get kicked mm. out of their houses in Germany. Yeah. So that was sort of the origin of the uh, Capuchin uh, missions from Germany uh, in the United States. Okay. Uh, they first went to the Pittsburgh area, um, and. Um, also to Maryland, and there were two different groups because there were two provinces in Germany, one from what was called the Rhine-Westphalia province and the other one from the Bavarian province. Um, but when they got to America, they quickly, they merged into one group. And um, there, was, there were so many German immigrants in the United States at that time that uh, German-speaking priests were in high demand. 
Mm. So the uh, the bishop in Leavenworth, Kansas, uh, wrote to the Capuchins and said, can you send some priests out here because we have all of these German immigrants coming out and we need priests. And that was the origin then sort of of our province because uh, they came out to, um, to Victoria, Kansas, uh, Ellis County, Kansas, mm. and uh, started the church there, and that church, uh, their original church there, St. Pereira, still exists, mm -hmm. um, the, now called the Cathedral of the Plains, or the, the Minor Basilica of St. Pereira. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, that was that was in the, um, as I said, it was actually, they came over in probably the 1870s, it was then in the 1880s, they came out to Kansas. And... Um, as the, these first missionaries from, from Germany were leaving to go to America, um, St. Conrad was still alive at that time. Well, he wasn't a saint, of course, at that time, but Conrad <laughs> Berndorfer was still alive. And um, okay. he said, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for the success of the mission. Oh, wow. And so we felt like uh, from the very beginning, we've been under the patronage mm, of St. Conrad. Of Conrad. Yeah, it is cool because, like, the ministry of Conrad being the porter, you know, and we'll get into that. But, like, it, it, it does really, it's kind of a good, um, you know, just blessing from St. Conrad being the holy porter, you know, kind of opening the door in a sense of, like, these new ministers, new, minis new ministries in um, mid-America. Yeah, so pretty cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, that was good. So then what happened? So German Capuchins arrived to central Kansas in the 1880s. And then how, but there was, obviously there wasn't St. Conrad's province in 1880. So it was a few steps in between there, right? Right. So, well, it was, it was one big province that went all the way from Kansas to, uh, basically Washington, D.C. Mm. at that time. That was the St. Augustine province. Okay. Um, and then it was, uh, the, that province in it was, you know, geographically it was very large. And um, as, as all these areas grew, the number of the people, of course, out in Kansas when they first came was, was quite small, but the, the number of people out there grew, the number of Catholics grew. And there was... Already beginning in the late, probably the late 60s, early 70s, there was, began to be a feeling on the part of the friars out here in the western part of the province that our, our growth was perhaps a little bit held back by the fact that the provincial was all the way back in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, oh. and that uh, <laughs> they didn't really understand the conditions yeah. out here, and that uh, the eastern part of the province would be getting would get more attention uh, than the western part of the province, and so there was sort of this feeling that um, the the growth of this area of the province was being held back in a way because because the provincial was so far away, okay. and oh, yeah. so they began to there began to be this kind of a ferment uh, in this western part of the province to divide the province into two, uh, so that. Uh, there would be more chance for growth out here. Um, so, in, and that actually then happened in, in 1977. It uh, was the actual division of the province. We just celebrated that anniversary a couple of weeks ago. 
of the division. I think the 44th anniversary, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yes. And so that was the division. Of course, 1977, for anybody who knows the church, American church history, that was, those are very, of course we do. Bad years, you know. I mean, the, the those there was a bad time for a division of a province because it was exactly the time when numbers of religious and priests oh, were plummeting right. uh, all over the United States, and uh, guys were leaving the orders and leaving the priesthood, and mm. um, the numbers of vocations fell. So, um, I think initially, probably many people wondered at, at first whether they had made a huge mistake mm. because uh, in, instead of growing out here, actually we we were shrinking. We you know we we started out with I think eighty members in the province, mm-hmm. and um, at one point we were down in the fifties. Mm. So uh, it it wasn't a great time for division. But I think overall. Uh, the choice was justified. I think it's it's proven to be uh, justified because we did expand geographically out this way, and uh, and I I think you know things may have been much worse actually if they hadn't divided. You mm. know the numbers overall of the two provinces may have fallen even more. Interesting. Um, so so were you were you around when there was there a discussion? about who would be the new patron of the new province or was it pretty clear right away to choose brother Conrad or do you know uh, about that? Person? I don't know much about that. I was not quite in the order yet. I made my first vows in uh, 1980. Oh, so, uh, okay. I was, uh, yeah, it was in the novitiate, started the novitiate in 1979. So okay. I was uh, already studying to be a capuchin. We, we, you know, we were in the seminary. We started the seminary right after high school. Uh, but we didn't go into novitiate until we finished our our philosophy studies. So I was kind of around, but I wasn't really, sure. you know, uh, inside yet. And so <laughs> right. uh, I suspect that uh, there there may have been some discussion. I, I would bet though that they they um, latched onto Saint Conrad pretty quickly and and with pretty decisively because it just made so much sense right that's cool, cool. i'm glad we did man yeah yeah he's conrad so i have a question mark um at any point or like did, in, at what point in your uh sort of vocation to enter the capuchins was there any sort of spark from saint conrad himself like you know maybe connection or anything um well, uh, I think, um, yeah, I, I was, you know, I, I was never struck by lightning, that sort of thing, you know, and not, <laughs> so not that kind of a, I was never knocked to the ground like St. Paul, you know, in, in any time of my vocation or anything like that. But um, I, I would say that my decision to be, uh, to be a lay brother, not to be ordained, was partially... Uh, influenced by the fact that you know Conrad was was never ordained, okay. and um, so you know that he could you know become a saint. He was the patron of our province, um, so I, I think that probably had some you know, some influence uh, on my life. And the the simplicity 
his simplicity, um, the way he served very quietly, um, mm-hmm. very obediently, you know, uh, n- never complaining. Um, I, I think that had a, I think that had an influence on my own view of what it is to be a Capuchin. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I think, like, my favorite part of Conrad, yeah, is just exactly, like, how he saw the presence of God, like, just everywhere in everything he did, like, and all the people he met, too, you know. So, like, I think Conrad, yeah, definitely is, um, you know, special, I think, to all of us, uh, him being the patron of the province. And it's cool to celebrate him every year because it just seems like – I don't know how you guys feel, but it seems like, you know, growing closer, growing closer to Conrad, you know, in a sense of like spiritually, maybe um, in terms of like those virtues, you know what I mean? So it's crazy. Yeah. What what about you, Vinny? You've just been inspired by him, like you said, by his example there, or was there anything specific? Had you heard about him before you joined the order or anything? No, I, I haven't. No, uh, I didn't hear about him until after. Um, mm-hmm. Like I was already in, you know. It was like Saint Conrad, you know, parts and province of, you know. Uh, yeah. But I, I didn't do any research until, I think, until Blaine put out his book. Father Blaine put out his book, um, you know, about Saint Conrad, and so I think that's available online. But um, yeah, I didn't do any research into until I think my division maybe. Maybe passionately, we did like a book report, yeah. you know. Cool. But anyway, yeah. So, yeah, for me, the the big connection with Conrad came um, after my uh, three week pilgrimage in Italy. Oh, that's right. We, right yeah, right. we did like the solemn vow pilgrimage, all about Saint Francis. Then I was like, well, we're gonna, you know, Europe's a long ways away. We should probably do something else while I'm over there. So. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> brother, go walk around <laughs> yeah uh brother donald and i got permission um to to do some specifically capuchin touring of uh europe and it was kind of a toss-up uh between uh padre pio and but donald had already been to see padre pio and like obviously no offense to pio i love the guy but i actually felt a little closer to conrad you know bearing his name for the uh, patron of our province so we got permission to go up to uh, Altetting uh, for two nights and it's great to have uh, brother Mark on this episode because uh, brother uh, you were still living in Italy in Rome so you were able to to pull some strings and you knew who to make the phone calls to let people know we were coming so it was really awesome that everywhere that we went they're like oh brother Mark said you were coming so we were we were brother Donald and I were well received everywhere we went but um that's cool, man. Yeah. The, did the you did you have a, lunch with did, did you have lunch with Mark Shank? We, uh, yeah, we had several meals. Yeah, he nice, hosted us cool. uh, two nights there at the Generalit, I believe. Because your cool. brother, your two brothers, or your were there, right? That's right. Yeah, my my two brothers and their wives were visiting at that time. Mm-hmm. Those yeah. are the best, man. Remember, remember during the novitiate, I'll never forget. Mark Shank came to visit me during. Or I don't know if you came to visit me, but you came for a meeting <laughs> or something. But um, I'll never forget. We we're like, let's go out to eat, and I had the best mac and cheese I've ever had in my life. I'll never forget. Oh. It. I don't know if you remember that, but it was the best mac and cheese I've ever had. 
remember, um, I remember that because I can remember thinking, who orders mac and cheese? And, you know, go to a restaurant, you order mac and cheese. Who yeah. That? And, I was like, like, man, this is the greatest mac and cheese. <laughs> yeah. And plus, but, uh, um, the, the, the priory there in Altedding is a is a marvelous place, isn't it, Brandon? It's uh, it's so uh, there's well, there's so much tradition there for one right. thing, and and um, but I what one of my great memories there you like you walk in and like the first thing they do is they offer you a big stein of beer. You know? <laughs> what? <laughs> well. well uh, it's like I, I knew I'm gonna like this place. <laughs> well, there's a little bit of humor about that because uh, so we had been on this uh, guided tour for three weeks, uh, brother Donald and myself. Yeah, and like so, getting to Germany was the first thing that we would have to do by ourselves, and uh, we missed our second train, I believe it was, because like we looked at the board to see when it was, but then they also have these electronic things. So you have to double check the electronic thing because that's where the lanes change. So we didn't know that yet. So we were supposed to get there at like 7 p.m. and we didn't get there till midnight. Oh, so, <laughs> man. And we, were, we, were, we were actually supposed to stay not where Conrad is buried. We were supposed to stay like on the other side of the town square where it's kind of like a little retirement home place. Uh, St. Magdalene's. Yes. There you go. Yep, that's it. But uh, when we finally got to Altetting, there was a taxi cab driver. And uh, we're like, he saw we were wearing the habits. He's, we're like, yeah, Bruder Conrad. He's like, oh, Bruder Conrad. Yeah, yeah. So he took us <laughs> and he, he drives right to the front door of the friary and like rings the doorbell at midnight. Right. So the guardian <laughs> gets up and like receives us like we were the kings of the universe and like gives us a bedroom and. You know, what? anyways, he was he was very generous to us. And it wasn't until we were leaving that we found out that we were actually supposed to stay at the other place. <laughs> but we had rooms just a couple doors down from where Conrad died. So the 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 the, the cell that Brother Conrad died in is now like a chapel with an altar, a little tiny chapel, obviously. And then uh, just uh, the cha- the the big chapel where he's buried in was just a couple doors down the other direction. So uh we made out like bandits even though we were we were five hours late so <laughs> yeah it was really cool and then uh the other thing that happens is uh twice a year uh they take a tour of all the places in bavaria almost all the places in bavaria uh where conrad lived and went on pilgrimage so you mm. got to go to the to the the, the to the farm where he was born and like mm-hmm. his parents house is still there and then you got to go to these different churches where he used to walk on sundays or where he used to go to pilgrimage on other days of the week to attend mass and to other preaching events um so the day we, we got there at like midnight on i forget what day it was but the very next day was one of these two days a year where they have this tour through all these different places around bavaria so they they you know, obviously we wanted to go, but they like forced us like, oh, you're coming on this uh, pilgrimage. So we got the pilgrimage within a pilgrimage. And so we got to see the house where he was born. We got to see the church where he was baptized. And we got to see the other churches where he used to go uh, for Sunday mass and for other stations of the Dang. cross and to hear the preaching. Bro, that's, that's a whole thing. That's cool. It was. That's cool. And the, the, thing, wow. the thing that was really impressive was like how wealthy his family was. Like mm-hmm. their house is still big, like even by today's standards. 
Like it's two stories and it's got like six, eight rooms on each story and different rooms. And, you know, it's got a big staircase up to the second floor and he could have inherited all of that. He could have inherited all of the farmland. He could have gotten married and been wealthy and had all this stuff. Yeah. But uh, he gave, he gave it all up and, and joined the Capuchin Franciscan. So it was really powerful. A lot of connections from that trip. That's a good man. Good man. I think one of the quotes that always stuck with me from Conrad, I remember um, just just earlier today I was looking through some pictures and I stumbled across one where we were doing our uh, like recollection day at the Cabrini Shrine and it was on the Feast of Conrad like two years ago today or tomorrow. And uh, the preacher was sharing about his life you know and he was sharing his quotes one of the quotes and uh it's it like it was like kind of refreshed in my mind but it was something along the lines of you know all i want to be in my life is a capuchin and nothing else or something you know something like that like all or nothing basically like you know Mm. i'm not gonna be a a half you know a double s capuchin but like you know i want (laughs) to do do it for real you know okay and so that that always stuck with me you know just how he like desired that so yeah yeah maybe we could talk about um what he's famous for as a friar he's you used the the word earlier porter do you want to either one of your brothers want to explain a little bit about what that means and what he did well um all the, uh, the uh, in the European friaries, traditional European friaries, they all had a porter, and that is one of the a brother who was responsible for uh, answering the door. Mm. Uh, and then later on in life, uh, he also got the job of answering the telephone. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, of course, in those days, there was no telephone yet, so they, so he would be like the contact with the outside world. They were a little bit more cloistered than we are today, although there were, there were captions were never absolutely cloistered, but uh, a little bit more today. And uh, so basically um, the non-friars would not enter the friary, but uh, they could come to the door to ask for prayers, to ask for masses, to ask sometimes to beg for food and so forth. So there, there needed to be a brother there who, and that would be his job, it would be to answer the door and to take care of the needs of these people, whether it was, you know, somebody hear their confession or something to eat or mm-hmm. to receive a donation, whatever. Uh, that was that was the job of the porter. So he became sort of the face of the friary, the face of the friars for the people in that town. Mm. And it was probably not an easy job because you get all kinds of requests, I would imagine, you know. <laughs> yeah. And especially in Altering, which was a big pilgrimage site. Mm. They had uh, they had a church of the Madonna there. I forget uh, exactly the name of that church now, but uh, it was a it was a Marian shrine in, in Altering. So they had a constant flow of pilgrims in that town, and many of them would come to the door of the friary, uh, be- begging for food, oftentimes. Yeah. I think there was one story of like the little boys ringing the doorbell like 10 times and they would ring the bell and run away. And <laughs> did you hear about that? Was That's that something. Yeah. I, yeah, I can't like remember the, the, the neighborhood story, kids would like, story. 
yeah, like ring the bell and they take off running and <laughs> he's, you know, Conrad responded with like, you know, I was saying, he was like, well, I'm, I'm going to, I'll come out 20 times over and over again uh-huh. or something like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but there is the story about, uh, he's famous. I mean, in Germany, you got to realize there's a different culture around beer and drinking. Oh yeah. But, uh, he was famous yeah. for among other things of giving away beer to the pilgrims. Oh yeah. Any, any of those but, stories, brother Mark, this, you can recount this, for us? Yeah. This came up during his canonization process. So, you know, when, when, when somebody is, uh, when they're trying to canonize someone, uh, sort of toward the end of the, of the process, they have sort of like a trial for the person where they, they, in a sense, they put that person on trial. So there's somebody there to, um, to promote his cause, but they also have the devil's advocate there. Mm-hmm. And the devil's the job of the devil's advocate is to try to show that this person wasn't really as holy uh, as the promoter is making him out to be. Mm. And uh, and so then they have to judge between these two the, the case. And so during the this process for Saint Conrad, uh, the devil's advocate. And I got up and he asked the, 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 the person who was promoting his cause. He said, now, I, you know, think Conrad was a, was a porter. Is that correct? And then, yes, that's correct. And so when people would come to the door begging for food, he would get them something to eat. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. <laughs> yes. Um, and is it true that he would give them, uh, besides a, a piece of bread, he would give them a stein of beer. A stein is, is a liter, so it's like, you know, it's uh, it's a quart of beer, you know? And, he's, <laughs> nice. and, he, and he would give them a stein of beer, is that correct? And, and he said, yeah, that's, that's what they gave him. They even they still have some of the steins preserved there, the cups mm-hmm. that they serve the beer into, the um, people who would come begging. And, uh, and so then the, the uh, devil's advocate said, well, he said, is it, would he give this... A beer to both the men and the women and he said yeah everybody got the same a piece of bread and a stein of beer he said well could it not be that uh after the woman a woman had had drunk a whole stein of beer that she might have become a little tipsy and he could have taken advantage of the woman and the promoter got very indignant and he was kind of pounding the table and he said, that's, that's a, an offensive question. I find that question very offensive because no Bavarian woman would get drunk on one stein of beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a great yeah. story. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Give her a couple more. <laughs> yeah, those, those, those girls know how to handle a beer, huh? Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even if they did walk all day to get to outsetting. So did you have any well, beer think... in Bavaria? <laughs> It'd be fun to What's try. That? Did anybody have any beer in Bavaria? Did you try any? Mark? No, I I'm a yes. I'm a I'm a teetotaler, so right. I drink I drink zero beers during my time in Germany. So. Yeah. I don't know how you got away with it. I know. Did you have one, Mark? Yeah, they had it uh, they had it for Lunch and supper, you know. Oh, wow. Some of them probably had it for breakfast. I <laughs> they love their beer in Bavaria, and it's very good yeah. beer. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. So, 
so the they put it on their Wheaties, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Breakfast of champions. <laughs> so Mark, do you know uh one of the stories that I had heard um from uh my interactions with uh Felix Shinsky? Mm-hmm was uh, that when uh, Brother Conrad was exhumed, so they put him in the ground and buried him. But then when they officially started the process for canonization, then it's moving along. One of the steps um, is to exhume the body and examine uh, the remains. And apparently he was uh, like 99.5% corrupted. And like the one part of him that was incorrupt was one of his fingers. And apparently he would wear a finger rosary. Mm -hmm. And so like all day long when he's going about answering the door and getting beer and talking to people, he'd be (laughs) praying the rosary uh, with his thumb and his finger. And that when they dug him up, the only part of him that was well, that was still intact was like the finger that the rosary had been on. Oh, wow. And I had heard this story from Felix Shinsky, who's uh, a model friar in many ways, especially with his ability to embellish stories <laughs> for impact. Uh, you know, so maybe it's true, but maybe he adds a few little special effects, you know, to yeah. make it more interesting. But um, can you I confirm think... <laughs> this story? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, so, I, I, it might be slightly exaggerated. You yeah. Know? <laughs> well, here, here we go. So. On the last day that Brother Donald and I were there, it's like 8 p.m. And we've been there like two full days. And we're going to leave early the next morning. And I, I forget the brother's name, um, but he had a pretty good English. And so we were talking about something. And I, I think I looked at Donald and he looked at me. I was like, is there a story about St. Conrad's finger? <laughs> <laughs> and the brother looks at us and he goes, you didn't see the finger? <laughs> we're like no is it true and he's like yes it's true so he took us back into a special room he had to get this key out of his pocket and unlock this door and they took us back into this kind of nice room oh where there was all these cabinets yeah he went behind this cabinet and he unlocked it and he pulled out this reliquary that was like two and a half feet tall and in the middle of it there's like it's kind of wrapped in white gauze but like you can see it's like the outline of like a crooked finger or whatever he's like yes the finger is here he's like do you want a blessing we're like yes oh my gosh and like we got down on our knees and he prayed this prayer and he like waved the saint conrad's holy finger over us so. wow you got the blessing of the finger <laughs> saint right. conrad saint gave finger wag i know that's like right. saint conrad gave you the finger that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yes he did that's so. true. well i know his his skull is intact yeah that's one of the things that's preserved was his skull that's usually the case is one of one of the harder bones in the body they said in fact you know you dig up these um, old cemeteries of friars and all you have left are skulls because they were so hard-headed. Uh, <laughs> Give me some noggin. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet, man. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. St. Conrad gave us the holy finger. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, there was also another part. We we had been in the main part of the museum, but there was also like another part of the museum that they hadn't showed us until that last day where they had one of his mantles and like, I think a book that he had had or something he had written maybe or something like that. So 
there's a lot of really neat neat stuff there that they have preserved in the museum and then the, mm -hmm. like the the special museum that's that's yeah that's it's a really cool. beautiful place to visit nice man yeah well guys i think um yeah. I think a good note to end on, maybe um, we got our brother, Provincial Minister, here. Maybe, uh, Mark Schenck, maybe some closing, um, I don't know, words of wisdom for maybe, I don't know if there's any brothers who are listening in the province or benefactors that listen. Um, just some maybe words of wisdom for our listeners. And we'll wrap up with shout outs after that. Or can I, can I read this little passage from, yeah. from St. Conrad himself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was from a letter that he wrote, and he said, he, he wrote, My book is the crucifix. Mm. I have only to raise my eyes to that to learn gentleness and humility. A single glance at Jesus on the cross, and I know how I ought to behave in all circumstances of life. I learn gentleness, humility, and patience, and how to bear my cross. It even becomes easy and light. I receive all my joys and sorrows with thanksgiving from a heavenly father. He knows best what is good for us. That's the best thought I can leave you with. Nice. Amen. Wow. Amen, bro. I like that. That's cool. So, yeah. And then, sh so shout out to, we'll start with, our, we'll do the shout outs. Like, shout out to the Bavarian Friars on uh, the Roots. And then, uh, yeah, shout out to the Friars in, in Kansas that started this gig man so <laughs> <laughs> nice and my brothers in the saint augustine province yeah then yeah yeah i'll give a shout out to uh everybody who stopped by uh for tamale night on saturday i'm still kind of on a tamale high eating the leftovers day by day uh thanks to everybody who donated uh the tamales were amazing thanks to everybody who came and um yeah enjoy some delicious homemade food you want to give a shout out brother mark well i can shout out to, to dan shippers who was the one who visited friars down there in san antonio oh, yeah. great yeah. friend and benefactor of the of the province and uh yeah i think to all our all our benefactors really you know they've been so generous to us this year and um we, we couldn't do what we're doing without them. Amen. That's right. Shout that's out to it. them. All right. All right. Thanks for tuning in to the Brotherhood. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Um, catch you on our next next episode coming out every other Tuesday. Uh, we want to thank Mark Shank for being with us once again. So we're checking out. This is the Brotherhood. God bless. Peace.